0: Hello, Hatrick listeners. Welcome back, Braden and Elliot and Jordan. With you, it is the Monday after Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, I'm sure we're all nursing different levels of uh, let's like not necessarily hangover from being drunk, but just like it's a busy, long Sunday when the Super Bowl is played. Regardless of how you consume it, it's always it's the Monday after socks. And look, I I will admit, you know, I had a few adult beverages. Went to a bar, watched the Super Bowl at a bar for like the first time in my adult life, which is kind of crazy to say. But usually, you know, you watch it at home with family or whatever. Went with a good friend and he told me the story about how his son, who works in film, uh, like myself, uh, is working in Philadelphia this week. And they had already pre-taken Monday off because they knew that it was going to be rough to get people into work. So wherever you are, I'm sure if you're listening to this on your morning commute uh, and feeling it, we're with you. Uh, We got we're going to talk Super Bowl. Uh, we're going to talk some, some other things as well, but obviously we'll start with the Super Uh, so let's get to it right now. Here's topic one. Okay. So before we talk about the game itself, I want to, I want to do a quick round round table here. Where'd you watch? And in terms of like the levels of enjoyment based on previous years, where do you rank your experience watching this game? I'm not going to talk about the game itself. But, you know, people watch at home, they go to parties, maybe, maybe you watch the, like I did at a bar. Elliot, where were you?
1: Yeah, I was at my parents' place. This is kind of an annual tradition for us. We usually get together on Sundays anyway. So Super Bowl is a special date. My grandparents were there, which was super cool. Uh, and aunt. so, you know, we I had like a bit of a party um, and uh, I went all out with snacks this year. I made homemade jalapeno poppers, chicken wings, fried chicken, full on nachos, the whole deal. Uh, And so I would say my experience is probably better than most years, to be completely honest with you. It was a lot of fun. Everyone was engaged. And so, you know,
0: all in all, it was like a good time. Now, you admitted last year that one of the things that tends to happen at this said family party is that come halftime, you and your mother often leave the room to prepare the second half snacks. Was that the case this year or did you stick around for Ray Ray? Uh,
1: No, we, well, we, most of the things we had cooked we're kind of done before the game, so really at halftime <laughs> we just kind of had to prep the. Uh, like you the had stuff. So I, did, <laughs> I did end up watching uh, the halftime show, which is not usually something I do.
0: All right, Brian, where were you, and what was your experience this year? I How was
2: out with a couple friends. Uh, we were at uh, just in just at a house. Uh, I usually watch the games at home, or I don't think I've ever been out to a. Uh, uh, like in a public setting to watch the Super Bowl. I, I think the only like specific memory I have of that being different is when you and I were in San Francisco back in, I think, what, 2011? That would have been. Um, <clears throat> I couldn't even tell you who was in the Super Bowl that year. I can't. Uh, it, it was the Green Bay
0: Packers. And actually, I can't tell you. The, I know the Green Bay Packers won. That's all I know. Oh, Pittsburgh Steelers. It was the Steelers, Steelers and the Packers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't. I, I remember couldn't that, know. too. I just, just remember just the KFC. Yeah. alone. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's true. Super Bowl Sunday is one of those things that like people either have like a really strict tradition or they kind of just go with the flow. Uh, I, I, as I said, I was at a bar and it's the first time I've ever like sat at a bar on a bar stool for three and a half hours or four hours, however long it was. And, you know, they continue to pour drinks for you and you eat whatever, you know, you want to pick off the happy hour menu. It was fun though. Like it was interesting. You know, you chat with the other gentlemen at the bar and some of them know what they're talking about and some of them don't. And it's kind of a different experience, but Uh, It was funny because we kind of complained in the first half. It was really quiet, like they had the sound on, but it wasn't like audible. You couldn't really hear the commentary. You couldn't really hear what was going on. So we kind of were like, hey, you guys could turn it up. And they're like, no, no, this is as loud as we're allowed to play it. We're like, whatever. Interestingly, rules. <laughs> however, come halftime, the sound got a lot louder when Rihanna started playing because I think they recognized that they a lot of people in there who were enjoying that. And yeah. then interestingly, the second half just stayed at that volume. So we were able to hear the second half a lot better in the first half. So I don't know if the rules changed midway through. But anyway, let's talk about the game itself. Obviously, I think the, the first big takeaway is if you are one of those people like myself who went into this game without a real like you know I don't like this this description but like a dog in the fight or whatever you didn't go in with with a chosen team necessarily you were hoping for a, an exciting offensive heavy game you got it you know both these teams came out and scored on their first drives we had a defensive touchdown in the first quarter we had a lot of back and forth it did feel going into halftime in many ways like the Eagles had control they definitely had had dominated the second quarter and the Chiefs obviously struggled a little bit and we saw Mahomes again re-aggravate some type of injury however as is often the case uh, in Super Bowls the second half was its own new game after that 30 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever the halftime kind of break is and there's sort of the oldest uh cliche in football where it's like halftime adjustments and whatever real adjustments i think the guys go i think you know the guys go to the locker room they eat some orange slices maybe have a power bar and a and a pee and then they come back out and they keep playing but in this case Kansas City really did come back out with a completely different uh energy and interestingly, the Eagles sort of shifted some things, too. They didn't run the ball. They certainly didn't run Jalen Hurts the, as much as they had in the first half. Uh, he set a Super Bowl record for three rushing touchdowns, which was the kind of impressive considering he's also a quarterback. So he had both the record for most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback in a Super Bowl and rushing to- touchdowns total. And yet Kansas City just looked like they had more uh, comfort, let's say, uh, offensively in the second half. What did you see, Elliot, when you, you step back and look at this game. I mean, obviously not a defensive uh, battle by any means. We've seen that in recent years in the Super Bowls. this was all about the offense. And we had two of the most potent and exciting quarterbacks. What did you see?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think you really hit nail on the head with regards to like a great game to watch. How many times have we gone into uh, a Bowl and it's 14, seven or 24, 14. And then the team that's leading goes into the half, comes out and just stomps the other team for the rest of the game. And it ends up being like, you know, 36, 17 or something like that. That was, that was, I was half expecting that after the first half and really glad that we didn't. I mean, it was 35, 35 into the last 10 seconds of the game. Like that's awesome from a viewing perspective. You know, I would say that there is one moment for me that I think really captures the swing and momentum. The third quarter was really interesting from a strategy standpoint uh, and a momentum standpoint. And for a student of the game that loves football, it's, you know, there was a breaking point there. For up until, you know, halfway through the third quarter, Kansas City's defense had been on the field a lot. And time of possession was way outside it's towards um, Philadelphia. And they went on a 17 play drive. But Kansas City managed to hold them to just a field goal. And I think if they had scored a touchdown on that drive, Uh, the game was virtually over because you would have had a beaten down defense. then. But there seemed to be this momentum that the team gained at that stop. Um, And and I think that that was really when things shifted. I mean, obviously, Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City offense was outstanding. Uh, There was, you know, something fell apart from the Philadelphia defense uh, side of the ball. But, you know, I really think if you if you look back on this game, that drive and that that holding them to just a field goal was really the momentum swing and what really changed this football game. Braden,
0: what did you see?
2: Yeah, there were a lot of pivotal plays. I think there were some incredible catches. The offense was insane. Like watching, I mean, Philly really had Kansas out of sorts in the first half. And I think their offense, like the way Jalen Hurst was running the ball, um, they just looked rattled and they had them down at half. And I think you mentioned like the fact that even at the bar, the sound went up at halftime energy exploded in the second half i think that that's what happened essentially for the kansas city chiefs they they got they got riled up in the at at the, the halftime there not maybe solely because of rihanna possibly because of hearing that but just the energy was so much different and like yeah the the there were so many moments that i was like uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to lose that leg; like it will fall off soon. Uh, I've been saying, <laughs> I've been saying this every single time we've been previewing the Super Bowl, leading up through the playoffs. Like this guy's injured badly, and he's starting to really cement a legacy here, winning an MVP on one leg. It's it's remarkable what he and that entire team. I mean, we haven't even talked about Andy Reid, but you know, talking about legacy. There's there's some really really Awesome, awesome milestones that took place here at this um, at the Super Bowl.
0: Well, let's acknowledge those. So as you said, Patrick Mahomes becomes the first black quarterback to win two Super Bowls, which is pretty impressive. This was the first Super Bowl to have competing black quarterbacks play against each other. We had the first brothers on field playing against each other. Obviously, as was mentioned on uh, running down the clock this week, they we have seen brothers before compete in the Super Bowl. We had the Harbaugh, Harbaugh brothers coaching in in the Super Bowl several years ago we also had brothers play on the same team we've also had multiple brothers win Super Bowls with different teams however this was the first head-to-head matchup for the Kelsey brothers obviously that was a lot of fun so lots of Jason said to Travis
2: when he saw him after the no he says fuck you congratulations (laughs) there you go
0: see there's brotherly love right there Um, one of the other turning points or interesting points here in the game and it kind of did end up being a deciding factor was the james bradbury hold on juju smith schuster at the end there did either of you feel it was or was not a hold i know this is certainly a very hot topic in philadelphia and a very hot topic on twitter bradbury has come out post game and said he believed it was a hold and he was hoping he would get away with it but he agreed that he did close his hand on the jersey so at least he sort of owned up to his part of that whole play but one of those plays that very easily could become a quote unquote conspiracy theory fuel thing. When you talk about does the NFL have a vested interest in who wins are the referees making calls and whatever we'll talk about the possession conversation in a second, but for you, uh, Elliot, did you see that as a hold on, on like at, at full speed?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's close. I, I think it was, but I, it, that's, that's a weird hold that that's a weird holding rule to begin with anyway, when you get the, the whole wide receiver thing is, is, is shifty. Um, but I think it's it a hold, not a PI, right? Yeah. Correct. And it's because it's because it's within the first five yards. I think there's, there's, yes, right. once you get out of that five year yards, you're allowed to open up, do a little bit more of that stuff that I think I don't quote me on it,
0: but well, and, um, yeah, and, and the, the argument at the, at the time on the field was he was still never in position to make the catch. So it couldn't have been pass interference cuz the ball was Oh, I it
2: wasn't even there.
0: But he did no. get him held up. So would he have been in position? Like it's that that's the
1: borderline on it, right? I, absolutely. Um but you know, again, I go back to that situation. Does that change the outcome of the game necessarily? I mean, it's still a Kansas City field goal with not very much time on the clock, like more obviously. Well, much more time on the, on the clock. Well, but the next
0: play gets them a first down, and the next play leads them to a position. Uh, no, the penalty gives them clock, the
1: first so. down, right? The penalty exactly. gives them the first down. Yeah, There's no. Like, so, you know, does it what impact it has on the game? I I'm not as convinced as everyone in Philadelphia that that's a tough. Okay, speaking
0: line. of that, Elliot, speaking of that, let's go to the other two plays. That we had two instances in this game where we had catches called on the field overturned by video booth booth review, right? The first was obviously the big catch there near the end of the first, where we had a catch that, that, that was brought down out of bounds. And then it, the booth reviewed it and it was determined. He didn't catch it. It was interesting to me again, going back to my sort of anecdote about sitting in a bar, the guy sitting next to me was the first one to sort of say, oh, I don't think he has possession. And I watched the replay and I went, if that's not possession, I don't know what is. He takes three steps with the balls, with the ball in one of his hands. He's pressing it up against his helmet when he goes out of bounds, but then he also retains possession all the way to to the ground. I Like if that's not a catch, then David Tyree's catch that won them a Super Bowl isn't a catch because he literally pressed the ball against his helmet. What is possession anymore? For me, it feels as, as, Uh, in like unclear and and uncertain as goalie interference has become in the NHL. It's like sometimes the defensive player pushes you into the goalie. Sometimes you're responsible for where you are. You know, you can literally fall on a goalie and both of his MCLs can tear, but it's not goalie interference. And in another game, you can bump him and 35 seconds later, even though he's already got back to his feet, it's still called goalie interference. Like for me, what is a catch anymore? If a guy doesn't, that for me is unbelievable athletic play that he's able to juggle that football, maintain control, get both feet down and fall out of bounds. And that's yep. a catch. Yep. And then later in the game, we saw another one where there was a player that arguably caught the ball was hit, fumbled the ball. And it could have been a touchdown for, for no, KC, he didn't catch but it, but there are possession long enough. <laughs> so I guess all it. I'm trying to say is what it is, is objective.
2: It is objective. It's, it feels subjective because you look at like you look at that holding call and yeah, he impeded the process, the progress. Did he slow the guy down? Did he, did he change the route of the guy? Was the guy already making a route? Like there, I think there is still a lot of like, not a lot of gray area, but when you, when you talk about it being, what is the exact call? I think that they're trying to be as clear with the precedence of what's happening in the game so far.
1: I mean, I I didn't find any of those difficult calls. I I got all three of them right, including the one in which they didn't maintain the catch. I think the first one you're talking about, Jordan, the ball clearly hits the ground, and it's sort of a cardinal rule. You need to get your arm underneath the ball. So that, for me, was clear as day. Uh, I don't. He did the the second one. The ball one on his hands, yeah. but he didn't make a football related move before the ball was stripped out, so it's an incomplete pass. And the third one was he did have that foot down when he retained possession after the juggle. I I, I think the rules are clear. It's just that game is so tight, and it goes to show you how difficult it is to make a play in that league with how big everyone is, how fast everyone is, and frankly how small the field is. Uh, that like it's really hard. But I didn't I I didn't I didn't have a trouble with any of the calls, either the two that were reversed or the one that they that they
2: upheld. I feel so bad for the city of Philadelphia, not because they just lost the Super Bowl, but because this is now the th- third championship that city has lost in 4 months.
0: Yeah, well, to be fair to Philadelphia, they don't make it easy to root for them. I mean, they're <laughs> as 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 far as fan bases go, they're pretty obnoxious. Um, I don't know if you heard this story. They talked about it on running down the clock, but there's a very famous Kansas City bar in Philadelphia that like it, it it's 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 known all over the city as like the Kansas City bar. Okay. Every Kansas City game, it's packed, and they decided instead of They just decided to shut down for the Super Bowl (sighs) rather than take the risk of putting a whole bunch of Kansas City fans in one place because they kind of were like, we feel like sitting ducks. So obviously kind of shitty for the locals or the people who are there all the time, but at the same time, probably a good call because again, Philadelphia fans are the worst I mean, how I don't know. It's brutal. Anyway, let's really quickly uh, talk about what Braden was most excited about going into this Super Bowl. You were very excited about the halftime show. Did it live up to your expectations?
2: It's fantastic. I I couldn't be more thrilled with the way that that performance went. Uh, it was epic on all fronts. I thought that the playlist was great. Her outfit was incredible. The fact that she, it was subtle. The choreography. I loved the platforms. It sort of looked like you were in a Super Mario um, world. Uh,
0: How about the? How about all of the dancers in the hazmat suits? The Michelin
2: men were very fascinating. Uh, That was an interesting experience. I mean, yeah, they were dancers. The, The dancing was great. I couldn't care less what they were wearing.
0: All right. Elliot, were you, did you, like you, you admitted you watched some of it. Did it live up to your expectations or will you be in the kitchen next year?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it was, I, I, I guess I, I defer to, you know, you guys on this. I don't have a strong opinion one way or another. It was enjoyable. I liked it. I thought the set list was good. Um,
2: Yeah. floating platforms. I guess that's cool now. That's pretty sweet in an arena. I gotta say.
0: All right. Let's run down our, uh, Prop bets real quick here before we wrap this up. So uh, let's start with the winners. Obviously, Elliot, uh, you were correct. Uh, you were the God only one who decided damn. to take KC. So congratulations on that. Um, tanti polling, baby. That's right. tanti polling <laughs> wins again. Um, I actually haven't looked this one up yet. I should double check, but it felt like the anthem went over.
2: Oh, it had to be over. Oh, I, yeah, I, it was definitely over. Idea. We nailed that one. Uh,
0: let's see here. He It was 125 seconds. How long is that?
2: Probably two
0: minutes right just about yeah, two, two minutes two
2: minutes and five seconds
0: so if the bet was over yeah two minutes and eight seconds so if you took the over you were successful because it was two uh two minutes and five seconds that Robert, was, weren't you the was only born. one that took the under on that i was the only yeah, one that took not that only again I was, the being, I was just being i was just being uh you know uh intentionally being different because everybody else took the over um uh, th- 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 we had that weird prop bet about who they were gonna cut to first in the sidelines. They actually didn't cut to either Travis Kelsey or AJ Brown. but we did get the Philadelphia coach crying like an anime character. I don't know how many different Beautiful. streams of tears Beautiful. were coming out of that man's eyes. Uh, fascinating. Uh, we had the coin toss. Uh, yeah,
2: what was it? What was it? never fails, oh, baby. Fails. Damn
0: man. There you go. Uh, and interestingly enough, um, uh, Kansas City won the coin toss. Correct. And they broke a six-year record where the team that has won the coin toss has lost every year for six Super Bowls in a row. So they were able to break the curse on that one, which was good That's for them. Uh, Rihanna's first outfit. Uh, we had Braden took blue. No, he ah! took black. Black, I did. I took gold. Uh, Elliot and Puya took other, and I guess okay. you win for that. that, that I I <laughs> no, red I, I was I one of the said- colors.
1: I very clearly said sequence and there was no sequence. Yeah,
0: because, <laughs> okay, and I didn't I got in I got in trouble last week for not holding you accountable for this. We need to make it very clear that this show does not endorse Elliot's opinion that that sequence is a color. It is not a color, it is a uh-huh. texture. Okay, so we don't want people out there trying this to make the argument in their everyday life that sequence is a color. That's like saying scales is a yeah, color. Yeah, that's like saying leather, is, leather is a color. Call. <laughs> no, this this is not a subjective thing. Sequence <laughs> is not a color. Elliot, you're disqualified from this one. Okay. <laughs> um, how many times did they cut to Roger Goodell and Side round? Anyone else pay attention to this one? I did. I saw him like twice. It was, it was twice and- or more, was under over or under twice. And I, and, and during the game it was one time. I yeah, knew it. Cut I got
2: that one,
0: one right. I don't Elliot think I had did. many either. Elliot had the under. Um, Braden, you also took the under. Yeah, because I I, I had the over. Roger, you know? It's funny, though. They put Did anyone to... notice? Yeah, but did was? do you really think he was sitting next to those two people the whole game? Or was that one of those where he was, was like, definitely All right, they called down to the Fox truck. Hey, guys, I'm going to sit down next Kelsey to Hamlin and Kelsey's mother. Now, can you cut to me really quickly on the sidelines? I'll look dope.
2: Better question is, do you think Kelsey and Hamlin Wanted to sit next to Kendall.
0: Right. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, did anyone else catch the other interesting cutaway to a celebrity box that was literally like like cutting away to the worst two people on the planet sitting next to yes, each other? Yes, it
1: was Elon Musk, right? And, and uh, Ru- who
0: was he sitting next to, Elliot? For Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch.
1: Oh, yeah. Rupert
0: Murdoch. Rupert Can we yeah. literally talk about the worst scum of the earth sitting next to each other? My God! All right. There's my political rant for the morning. Uh, and really <laughs> quickly here, talking about um, football, right? <laughs> color of Gatorade. I think I went with
2: blue. I grape was close. Went with
0: blue, uh, Elliot, you went with clear.
2: Clear, yeah. Clear. That's what
0: Jordan took. Purple. Grape.
2: You took the grape.
0: I took the grape and the grape was right. Purple was right. Interestingly, as Elliot pointed out on our group chat, they didn't actually show it live on TV. So I'm sure there were a lot of people like, what yeah. color was it? But they did get some good photos. <laughs> Losing purple, millions
2: of dollars. Was, so that's
0: kind of fun. It's always fun. It, you know, it, the Super Bowl is one of those weird events where a lot of people who know absolutely nothing about football watch because it's an event. It's kind of a a, a reason to do it. You know, again, speaking as someone who sat at a bar, fascinating to watch the different energies. There were people playing like pool throughout the game. There are people sitting there having just like full throated conversations, not really watching the football game, even though they're wearing like Eagle hats or whatever, pretending like they're really invested in what's going on because it's a social experience. You know, that's all it is. Um, But it's, you know, it is a cultural touch point in our calendar year and in many ways it's sort of the end of the really busy part of the sporting season we move into now this weird sort of limbo stage leading up to the nba and nhl playoffs march madness obviously all of that but it's a big end of uh one sort of scheduled thing and and that's that we didn't get a chance last week to talk about the whole tom brady retiring thing um it's interesting too that Fox was hosting this Super Bowl, considering that is who he's now paying him $35 million. that he wasn't a part of tonight's broadcast, interestingly enough. How'd you like to be paid $35 million and not have to show up to work? Um, but it'll be interesting to see whether or not the next Fox Super Bowl has Tom Brady in the booth. Uh any final thoughts as we wrap up our Super Bowl coverage for 2023, Elliot? Uh,
1: just you know, another really competitive year. I felt like the two best teams in the league with the two best quarterbacks played. Um, that's awesome for football, I'm sure the NFL is just licking its lips, and when we get uh, when we get the record of how many people watched, I think it's going to be a really interesting number, and likely a really high one, uh, which is good for the business of sports and, and the NFL in particular, uh, but again, like another great year of football, great playoffs, lots of parity, really good players, really good teams, this new generation that's coming through of quarterbacks is really awesome, but you, I, I mean, I think it's
0: all in all, a really good season. Yeah, um, you're Great right, season. Elliot. That it's two of the that they were the two best teams, obviously, both first seeds, and and moreover, I don't know if you saw the graphic that was brought up at one point. Exactly identical records, exactly identical points for the whole way through the season. Really, really impressive. These two teams their entire seasons through, and then they gave us just an absolute uh, phenomenal f- finale. Um, and, and give both quarterbacks credit because they put on a show, you know, neither defense really had significant answers. Obviously Casey gets the one and then one called back, uh, you know, uh, fumble recoveries, but really neither defense was the story in this, in this game. It was really about who was going to have last possession and that's how it came down. Braden, final thoughts. I
2: would love to be paid $375 million and not have to go to work. There you go.
0: Let's leave it there for now. That is topic one. Topic two this week is brought to us by the Ordinary Podcasting Network's merchandise store. You head over to OrdinaryPodcasts.com right now. You will see that brand new merchandise has been dropping for the last week and a half. New items for a couple of our biggest shows are available now. You can go find a awesome sweatshirt and hat combo for running down the clock. Perfect for your Super Bowl party. And the MCU and Me podcast has a whole bunch of t-shirts Trust me, there will be spoilers. Head over there today to grab something to represent your favorite podcast. Mm -hmm. Topic two this week. Um, Really big story. One of the biggest stories uh, of the year. And yet it kind of, you know, it, it happened in a week leading up to the Super Bowl. So it kind of, it had its moment and then it kind of disappeared. But I do think it needs a moment of acknowledgement. And we're going to spend a second to do that and also talk about sort of the bigger uh, sports implications of it. We had a, what was once considered an unbreakable record fall and really, really an impressive um, capstone to what has been a phenomenal career for one LeBron James. Uh, LeBron James breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's career. NBA scoring record. So that's all time scoring. um, And that's just regular season. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Right now the regular season, which is impressive again, because of how much playoff basketball LeBron has also played 300, pardon me, 38,388 was the record breaking a number. He had to do, he had to put 36 on the board in his game against uh, OKC uh, at home in LA Uh, on, I believe it was Tuesday night and a phenomenal, um, performance. He went and put it up. Of course the team lost. And of course, as soon as he scored the record, I think he only had one or two more baskets. So it was kind of a bit anticlimactic post that, but the point was he knew he was close. They knew everyone knew he was close and it, it was kind of one of those fun sporting moments where, Regardless of what you were doing, like if it if it showed up on your Twitter feed or you kind of knew it was happening, I think a lot of people tuned in there for that third quarter just to see if he would get it. A lot of people clicked on the TV, watched it happen. We haven't seen this very recently. Um, it reminded me of Gretzky's uh, Gordie Howe record, where like they he scored the goal, or in this case he he, he hits the the drop back jumper and the game stops Fader, and they fade, literally. Fade away they just stop the game and everybody comes on the court as if they've won a championship, but it's really just for one moment. You know, Adam Silver is there. They do this very sort of awkwardly choreographed ball handoff where Kareem Abdul-Jabbar hands him a basketball and they pretended like somehow that was some kind of trophy. And then it's Hollywood, was- man. It's Hollywood. It was clumsy from that side of it, but it was very meaningful. And obviously it meant a lot to to LeBron and it, it's an important record an unbreakable record in so many ways. It stood for 33 years. I mean, that is really, really impressive. Um, and, and it couldn't have been from a, like the way that, that Abdul Jabbar dealt with it, the way that the whole thing happened. It just, it was special. It was in LA. It was kind of for me. And I don't know how you feel, Braden. Well, I'll ask you this first, but it felt to me like the moment that like, you know, look, he won a title with LA, but he's never really been a Laker. You know, like like career wise, he was kind of a Cav first. I think he means more to Miami because of what he did there. But like he he was never really a Laker. There's a bunch of Lakers that are more important and will always be more important than LeBron James. But this was his Laker moment. Do you know what I mean? This was yeah. kind of the moment yeah. he's like he'll always also be a Laker. It was special. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. you watched it. How'd you feel?
2: Yeah, I definitely watched it. I was in a few different polls around. Is it going to, is it going to happen tonight? Is it not? Like I, the number was 36 to get to. And it just, it was like the the atmosphere in the air, like you said, they were at home. Kareem was in the building, many other, you know, dignitaries people close to LeBron uh, were in the building. It was just, and he's been, putting up 30 point nights, it was inevitable that it was going to happen that night. And then to, you know, to, to witness that we've been witnessing greatness for 20 years and then to witness him kind of solidify something quite, um, I mean, this is, yeah, this is huge. This is really big. Um, the amounts of points that he's gotten it and the fact that he's still as dominant as ever on one of the worst teams in the league. and has clearly many more years to play he's he's going to try to make this even more unattainable for the next guy and yeah i just it's so great to watch it's so great to see him kind of cementing a legacy he he will always be in the conversation of of goat because of all time i think still like he put it best that i will always pick me in that conversation but uh it's subjective. It's just a conversation. So I'm doing everything I can to be in that conversation. And I think that's what I love so much about LeBron and to be able to see what he did uh, Tuesday night was really special.
0: Uh, did you watch any of it, Elliot? Did you catch any of this, this as it happened or was it more of a on, on the replay front?
1: Uh, more I, like I was aware it was happening. I was traveling last week. So I was um, uh, it just made things a little bit more complicated, but I was aware in the lead up to, it actually uh, because I was traveling, obviously I was using a bunch of Ubers and one of my Ubers had a Laker hat on and I talked and it was the day of the game. Nice. And we talked at length about whether we thought it was going to happen or not. And uh, you know, his fandom and that kind of thing. So I was certainly aware that it was going on. It's a remarkable feat. I mean, it, like it's an insane amount of points and it, it, it demonstrates like a regular season dominance uh, for, like, a length of time that is starting to become unparalleled, really, you know? Um, and it's one of the things, you know, it's another notch in the belt for LeBron around this conversation of his place in the history of the game. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. Um, it did, for me, uh, shift that. I, I never, ever felt like he it was close. Um, and for me, it's always been Jordan, will probably always be Jordan, uh, but in the last couple of years, and, and leading up to now, breaking of this record, it certainly shifted something for me in terms of my mind on that.
0: Well, and and again, recognizing yes, he's thirty-eight years old, but he's in a position here where he's clearly made it abundantly clear he has no intention of retiring soon. He has very well uh, positioned himself to possibly put this record even further out of reach. You know, he he most likely will break the forty thousand uh, threshold. Uh, if he plays to, let's say 40 or 41, um, which again, considering already how unbreakable this was, there's only five players in the history of the NBA who are within, with, within 5,000 points of this record.
2: Yeah. Which it's is crazy, very it's crazy. phenomenal. It's amazing uh, and, to see and, how and like the, the style of the game though has changed, right? Three pointers are a much bigger aspect of the game. And when Kareem made that, Uh, record like he he only had one three to his name so that was pretty substantial And, and so to see just kind of the evolution of the game and how it you know how lebron was able to get even close I mean, well, he'd be no, and, he'd be and the near.
0: longevity and the longevity of LeBron because he is 37. And also let's recognize never played college basketball. So came into the yeah. league right out yeah. of high school, which is a big difference also considering Kareem played four years of college hoop. So he had a shorter career from that perspective and a lot less points that he may or may not have been able to actually get with an extra couple years in the NBA. So very impressive from all those perspectives. What I wanted to do really quickly before we wrap this part of it up is I wanted to run you by uh, some of the other un un touchable records. Some of the records that are also considered the the way Kareem's was again, I mean, 33 years. It's not surprising that for a lot of that people thought it would never get touched. I wanted to run you by some of these other ones. We know one of one major record is probably going to fall in the next year or two. And that's Ovechkin. It looks like he has positioned himself to catch Gretzky's goals record. So Gretzky is sitting at 894 goals all time. Ovechkin second overall at 812. He needs, I believe, 86 goals, if my math is right, 82 goals to catch that. He is on pace for another 40-goal season. So he's within two or three years of catching Gretzky. Let's say he stays healthy. Now, he's no young... Pop either, so he needs to stay healthy to be able to do that. But for the first time again in a very long time, that record is very much attainable. The one Gretzky has that I don't think is possible to be broken in today's modern NHL is his career uh, assists. He has 1,963 career assists. The closest closest active leader to him is Sidney Crosby, who has 899. He's a assist away from 900, but he is not. He's a thousand away. Like that's insane, right? Gretzky's, I think, pretty safe on that front, and the all-time points I think will equally stay safe because know. of that part of it. Conner's Jerry Rice, looking pretty good, <laughs> maybe, but there, he's going to have to have some phenomenal years. Wow, well, it's I possible. Mean, he's almost Look, at 100 points. As we've already pointed out LeBron James. Here. It's possible if LeBron James can catch Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Any of these records are capable, but we're going to need something special. They need here, to add a
2: three-point goal.
0: There you go, Jerry Rice with receiving yards. This one's pretty crazy too. He has. 22,895 receiving yards over 14 seasons where he had a thousand or more rushing yards or pardon me, receiving yards. Pretty phenomenal. The current active leader is Julio Jones with 13,000. That ain't going to fall anytime soon. Uh, Here's another crazy one for you. Cy Young, 749 completed games as a pitcher. That one, not happening. It's just not, not the game major, anymore. That's just that's what different. I mean. Yeah. Adam Wainwright is the wow. active leader. Brad, you want to take a guess at how many completed games Adam Wainwright has?
2: Uh He's been around for a while. I would say like 22. 28. Very okay. close. Okay.
0: 28. He needs 700 oh my and 21 oh. goal or uh, completed games to catch he's Cy like, Young. He's like, that one ain't happening. <laughs> yeah. Because the game's changed. As you said, the game has changed, right? Yeah. Uh, here's another crazy one Boston Celtics, eight straight NBA yeah. titles. Golden Oof. State, most active. They got one. They need seven more in a row to catch them. I don't see that one happening unless you get another sort of dream team scenario. Here's another fun one for you. Simone Biles, 19 World Gymnastics Gold Medals. You know who the active leader is, Elliot? No Simone idea. Biles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she could add some more to her record. Hey, uh, I'll give you one more crazy one. Um, actually, I got two more for you, but let me give you one fun one. Here's another baseball one. Ricky Henderson, career stolen bases, oh, yeah. 1,406. Current active leader, D. Strange Gordon. 330 he's not even playing (laughs) he's the active leader oh he's still (laughs) here's the last one i have for you on this list that i thought was pretty crazy 28 olympic medals 20 of them are gold yeah ariana fontaine has 11 not only does phelps have the most olympic medals he also holds the record for golds with 23 that's pretty crazy yeah but i
1: think that's like i could see that the thing about both Sumobiles and Phelps is there's so many events that you can compete in, in that, in that medium that I could see someone else getting
2: there, but they were very, they're both very dominant people. <laughs> How about this one? How about this one? Ron Hunt. Can you guess what sport? No. Okay. This is baseball. 50 hit by pitches in one season. <laughs> <laughs> he perfected the art of leaning into the pitch. <laughs> That's
0: awesome. Uh, Elliot, you want to, you got any for us here? Maybe in one of the sports you follow, I don't know, uh, snooker or darts or, or uh, what was the other thing you had the other day for us? Like lawn bowling or something?
1: Yeah, no, that was cro- croquet, of course. And, uh, oh, of course. Uh, the snooker, There's more than a thousand. There's one player, Ronnie O'Sullivan, who's like the greatest of all time, right. the, the Wayne Gretzky of snooker. He's got like 1100 century breaks in competition play. So that's literally getting a hundred points. Um, it involves hitting all 15 balls in all the colors. And I won't get into the specifics around that. He's also got eight perfect games in competitive play, I believe, uh, which is 181. That's the highest score you can achieve in Snooker. Those are two things. But I think the one for me that's just never going to be beat is 50 goals in 39 games by Gretzky. That's going to be – that will forever be like – Yeah,
0: that one feels like, again, you need something special. But again, like, it it just takes one really, really special year from somebody. But that's a hard one, man. 39 games. I mean, that's pretty wild. Pretty wild. All right. uh, Let's leave that one here for now. That's topic two. Hey, are you looking for a brand new podcast? Well, trust me, look no further than the Ellipses Thinking Podcast, a presentation of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Greg Deller-Coltman sits down every other week, Within an interesting and creative person to talk about the journey that they are on through their own creative process. You can find the Ellipses Thinking Podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to wrap up this week with hats off uh, for those uninitiated in uh, hat trick and how we do this each week where we've decided we don't want to do a third topic. We instead take our hats off to someone from around the sporting world that we feel deserves a moment of acknowledgement. Uh, I will go first. I would like to take my hat off to Christine Sinclair and the women's the Canadian women's soccer team, who this week uh, basically went on strike. They They acknowledged that they felt like the inequality between revenue sharing with the men's and women's teams over the last several years has been completely and utterly inappropriate. They obviously followed the men's lead, who we also saw Form a sort of a strike action, let's call it during um, training leading up to the World Cup, but they refused to play a friendly match here in BC uh, The women in this case were training in Florida and, and basically walked off the job said they weren't going to do it uh, until that they found certain, you know, aspects of how they funding through Soccer Canada was Changed. We have acknowledged many times on this show how Soccer Canada or Canada Soccer, whichever way you put those two words, I'm not sure how it goes, has had some real trouble with how their elite programs have viewed their uh management style, let's call it, or their lack thereof. They were forced back to work under threat of legal action. Uh, and Christine Sinclair said, uh, I believe on Thursday. To be clear, we are being forced back to work for the short term. This is not over. We will continue to fight for everything we deserve and we will win. The She Believes Cup is being played in protest. So uh, I stand with those women and believe that they should be treated uh, as equal partners in the entire Canadian soccer organization. They have done more for Canadian soccer, I would make uh, the argument, than any other group of players including the men over the last 20 years certainly the impact the men's world cup team had in the last two years has been dramatic but these women have been working really hard for 20 years to continue to build this game and they deserve to be uh compensated and they deserve to be uh supported as such so my hat goes off to christine sinclair as the captain but to the entire canadian national women's team Elliot, who are you taking your hat off to
1: yeah this week i'm taking my hat off to the uh Bad boy of golf, some people refer to him as uh (laughs) Smith. (laughs) Uh Ricky Fowler got his third career ace in the final round today of the waste management open. Uh Ricky Fowler is I really enjoy him. I think he's got great style. He's sort of brought a modernity to the game that Few have, and uh, and I just like his style. So, hats off to him for getting an ace in competition play.
2: Is it actually sponsored by waste management? Yes, it yeah, is. Like and you, management. Like is. like that tournament? Is garbage tournament? Have you, have you, you guys seen, seen this, this stuff? No, I haven't. Yeah, yeah
0: I haven't. it's
1: insane. They've got a hundred thousand seat stadium for one of the this what? like one of their first the
0: hole. They have a thousand. Uh, yeah, as Elliot said, this is it's a stadium hole. It's a par three. You tee off inside of a stadium. Oh, down man. to the green. Go watch the video from That's a year cool. ago when a guy hit an ace on that hole, That's and they cool. literally for about They're five throwing beer like it's throwing beer. It yes. literally looks wow. like a sporting event from a different century. It is. It is not in any All way right. reminiscent of golf, but it is the PGA's only hope if they intend to compete with Live on the like ridiculous scale because they are winning in that front. Uh, that's Elliot, that's Just a good choice. Great, who name. are you taking your hat <laughs> off to? Uh,
2: I'm tip t- t- my hat specifically to uh, one Masai Ujiri, but to the whole NBA. I think that you guys, this was the craziest NBA trade deadline. I might have ever seen some massive, massive movement uh, that took place. You can find out more on the Backyard Basketball Podcast this week. But specifically tipping my hat off to Masai Ujiri, who decided after a lot of offers made to the players uh, to, to kind of blow this thing up, that he was going to uh, buckle down, trust the process, trust in the guys, trust in the team, the culture, everything that he built, and uh, um, stayed the course, bringing in uh, Jakob Pertl, a guy that they drafted, spent three years with Pop. He was kind of one of those shiny pieces in the Kawhi Leonard trade. So bringing back a familiar friend, best friend of Pascal Siakam. I really like the fact that uh, they they swung here. I think this is a win-win-win for Masajiri and the Wheeler North Raptors. Um, they either push hard, make the playoffs, or fall and get a nice juicy pick. Uh, And then they've still got assets and pieces in the offseason, which proved pretty nice when Kawhi Leonard was available. So, Yeah, I
1: ask a Raptors question.
2: Any day, every day. Is Nick Nurse in trouble? Uh, No. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. And I don't think so because they just made a huge commitment to the team that they are working around, that they've built the structure there. If they decided Fred Van Vliet goes, Trent Jr. goes, Siakam even, and that they were just going to focus on building a new team around Scotty Barnes, I think that then you would look at changing the structure, and the strategy um, at the helm. Mm-hmm. I think I think that they continue this. I mean, they brought in Jakob Pertl, which is one of Nick Nurse's like main proteges uh, when they drafted him, focus on defense. He's one of the best center defenses that uh, are out there um at at a younger age i think that they yeah i think that they swing again next year see how far they can get and i I think that we should revisit that conversation next year
0: good question elliot and i'm sure Braden and uh, christian will cover all of this this week on the backyard basketball podcast which of course you can find anywhere you get your podcasts uh thank you elliot thank you Braden. and thanks everybody for listening we always appreciate your listenership if you haven't already head over to the ordinary podcasting website we got uh, a brand new merch up there for a couple of our big shows running down the clock has some new swag there's a hat and a sweater available uh mcu and me has a whole bunch
2: of swag just one available though
0: no two so limited time get it before anyone else does there you go. MCU and me has a whole bunch of t shirts. They've got some awesome stuff all related to their show. Uh, there's some fun stuff coming. And I think, if I'm not wrong, Braden, there should be some merch coming from Backyard Basketball this uh, upcoming week or two. So check that out, too. Ordinarypodcasts.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram. And as always, thank you for listening. That was Hatrick. Hatrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Produced every week by Jordan Adler-Coltman and Braden Adler-Coltman. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening.
2: The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include... Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many Indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and tsleil nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and
1: Inuit, whose footsteps have marked